Welcome to My First Dungeon, the tabletop role-playing podcast that helps game masters learn new games and make each one better than the last. And if you are listening to this, then you just listened to the last episode of our Orbital Blues season. And I got to say, that was certainly one of the best things we've put on this particular channel. Uh, And I'm very excited to talk about it with the full cast. Uh, So first, let me introduce everybody who is here. We've got all the cast members, we've got Abby Hepworth, Elliot Davis, Chinook Tessera, Draconics, and Carolyn Page. Say hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Space. Oh, hi, everybody. Space. And we are joined once again by the co-creators of Orbital Blues, Zach Cox and Sam Slaney. Welcome. Hello. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for coming back. And uh, let me say on behalf of everybody, thank you for creating this game because we had a whole bunch of fun playing it. Yes. <laughs> good. Yes. Good. We're, we're glad. Thank you. It would be a bit awkward if you were like, we hated this. We uh, <laughs> hated it. We have notes. We have notes. What's the point of sponsoring something if you can't get empty flattery afterwards? <laughs> it's, it's the whole game. You're going to get your money's worth today. So funny. Guys, my one note is um, I think they should be happy. Be. What if they? Yeah, the cowboys were happy cowboys? Yeah. What if it was happy space cowboys? I've, I've written candy. rules for being happy in the in Afterburn that generally <laughs> oh. exists. Oh so, no! no, no. <laughs> he uh, said, "Read the no book." There's like a, <laughs> oh my yeah, God. there's an explicit retirement move that I've written in. It's like a yeah, sort of mechanic for if you're having a happy cowboy. I yeah. love it. Yeah, if you don't have a trouble, you just need to retire. Mm. Uh, so yeah, there's like an explicit mechanic for having warm and trusting moments with your crewmates because the expansion is kind of more about family and excitement. So as for your genuine piece of feedback, there will be happy cowboys once after. <laughs> happy cowboys are on the horizon. But I think like throughout the season, you guys got a bunch of the notes from that, right? Like one of at least blank, like retired happy and you guys maybe don't have as much trouble anymore as you used to with all that stuff resolving in an absolutely insane pair of final episodes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. There's, there's a lot to talk about with the season. Zach and Sam, I want to open it with you. We told an Orbital Blues story, but is this the type of Orbital Blues story that you were setting out to, setting out for people to play when you initially wrote the game? Like, were there ways that we deviated from what you anticipate when you when you guys think of an Orbital Blues story? Uh, and were there ways that you think we like nailed it? <laughs> there, are, there's like the the whole adage of no plan survives contact with players. Mm-hmm. So there's not an optimum orbital blues game or like an on brand orbital blues game. I'm very much the the vibes guy. Zach, Zach is the capture of the vibes and the mechanics. I put the vibes out there. They coalesce into things at your table through through Zach's mechanics. As long as you got that like feeling of Orbital Blues, whatever that is to you, it's it's intangible of wow, this is something I can only do in this game. Like then you ran the perfect game in in my opinion and you ran it how how we wanted it to be. And I know you guys played around with a couple of mechanics here and there. As for like the vibe, you know, as long as you got a feeling from the game and it elicited an emotional response in you to be like this is something (laughs) um whatever that something is 
as long as it was emotional and it was a journey and it was, you know, you went through an experience, then you did it and you did it how we intended because there's no right or wrong way to do it. What about you, Zach? I thought the one of the pieces of advice that Sam and I gave to Brian during the sort of creator interview before the session was like, hook the troubles into the world. And then suddenly by the end of that session zero, and I imagine a lot of really hard work afterwards, you guys had done that and like hooked your troubles into a lot of stuff that existed within the Sutler System adventure. Yeah, that was good. Saul, Saul Jackson, the Reno Snakes worked in there. Obviously, everybody trying to shoot up Parazzo's and then Maria just also being there, <laughs> uh, which is the, uh, the way for all of the troubles to kind of work. And it was really exciting to see what you guys were doing, like hooking into the adventure and making like the emotional hooks of those characters mean much more because, you know, Saul Jackson being a, a slimy son of a bitch is all one thing. But if he's also your your dad who never loved you, that's even better, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, it added a load of emotion to the characters that like you'd get in a normal campaign, but it really yeah. ramped it all the way up, which made it sadder quicker. So good work. That is a thing that is a huge boon to me as a GM and to anyone as a GM. Like when I start introducing characters and you and the players all picked up on, oh great, Saul Jackson's a guy. Let me make it even sadder because he's my dad. Great. Uh, <laughs> the the, the process exists. Great. Uh, they killed my my long lost love. Great. Uh, and then Maria was also there. <laughs> <laughs> That's Maria's whole trouble is that she she's your average gal. She's just also there. <laughs> yeah. Brick in the wall, aka also there. It's just also such there. a fun I love that. one where I was like, this is and it's funny because I feel like in character creation. Before I was really looking through the game, I was just thinking about like what Brian had talked about with the vibes of it and this. And so I was trying to come up with character ideas before having actually read through any of, of the game and was like, I just didn't really know what I wanted to do and this and that, whatever. And then as soon as I started looking through the troubles, I had like 10 ideas. I was like, oh, here <laughs> we go. This guides you. This is how you get it. Like, And then it, you can really build off of those. And, and then when we were building the world, again, it just like felt really effortless to try to connect all of those things together and make it just as sad as we possibly could. I think something that this game does better than any other system that I've encountered is through the mechanics, the story is told like through the troubles it mm -hmm. moves the story forward which is like what game design should be so i just think this you fucking nailed it guys <laughs> <laughs> thank you it, it's great to have that like it's great to have when you're a player like one thing to lean back on like when you're looking at like a DD character sheet there's so much information you can do a lot with that but when you're playing orbital blues like you have your trouble it's like great at any point if i don't know what i'm doing I just lean back. And I think, Carolyn, I think you did it particularly kind of to comedic effect, but it always worked of like, okay, I'm going to go brood now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm going to go look for more in the distance. Yes. It's a joke, but it also like reaffirms the world. And like, I feel like every time that happened, we all laughed, but then everyone was like, oh no, it's okay. We got to remember to be sad. We got to remember to be sad. <laughs> Being sad has never been so fun. And I think it's great. <laughs> What's great about the premise of Sad Space Cowboys is 
from a storytelling perspective, making the choice that makes your character sad, that makes things harder for your character is literally good storytelling. And so that just being all present and the mechanics encouraging you to do that is like so chef's kiss. I, th- I can't remember who it was, but somebody said, oh, I've got two ideas and I don't know which one I'm going to do. And then someone else said, do the one that's sadder. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, perfect. That's that's games design. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, we've, we've got you hooked there. <laughs> you know, it's working. I really enjoyed it because one of the biggest things that I don't enjoy in a lot of teach RPGs is making the quote unquote bad choice. I mean, punished for it, even though like story wise, it's great. But in Orbit of Blues, you're like, yeah, it could put you in trouble, but you get something from it. You get some kind of reward from it, something mechanically, some kind of mechanical advantage, which mm-hmm. is always nice because um, I've been looking enough to have a lot of rule of call GMs, but sometimes you don't have that. And sometimes you need rules to back you up when you want to do something cool <laughs> and sad or cool and you the gotta come choice. with the receipts. <laughs> exactly. yeah. Yeah. So Orbit of Blues, like, Having your back in case you have a rule of, um, like a rule of rule GM rather than a rule of call is just like, again, perfect game design. And I think if any, if, if you can say anything about me, it's that I'm definitely a rule of rule GM. I'm 100% <laughs> by the book. Totally, you rule yeah, with an iron fist. Yeah. I rule oh. with an iron fist. No cool, no <laughs> cool stuff happening at my table. Mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> we, we came for you, Brian, because, um, with, with the rules. So Zach did pretty much mo- most of the rules but one that i put in was the swan song and mm. the the lay motif which is even if you're playing by the rules turns you into a rule of cool gm because it's <laughs> like right you are dying play your song roles don't matter because you're going to die at the end of this anyway and initially it was like should we should we really give players that kind of that kind of power and i was like they're dead anyway at the end of this scene and that's why the final bullet point is <laughs> you die no matter what you die <laughs> Um, and it was because I've always been on rule of cool GM. I don't care about rules. Just do it. If it, if it suits the narrative, go for it. So I was like, I want to put something in that turns even a rule of rule GM into a rule of cool GM, because ultimately the thing about all blues is it should be cool. Mm-hmm. I feel like it plays into a thing, Brian, that you talk about often, which is that if a player is going to ask to be able to do something like weird or kooky or cool, or like break the game a little bit, it's, always wonderful when they also propose a like negative for themselves of saying like, can I roll, you know, here? And if I get a nat 20, I get to do my super cool thing. But if I roll anything else, I take 10 points of damage or like whatever it is. It's your, what is it? Eating your vegetables so that you can have your dessert. (laughs) I know, uh, uh, Elliot, in the finale, you you did it because you got um, Saul Jack. So I I should just I should have said this at the beginning. Massive spoilers for Orbital Blues. And, so <laughs> yeah. if if you have if yeah. you're listening to this, you haven't listened to the season. Boy, it's going to be ruined for you. But um, <laughs> but when you pull out both your and Saul Jackson's guns, and you very sheepishly go. Uh, hey, can I can I fire both these guns at the same time? But if, but but only if I if I give myself uh, <laughs> uh, against the odds for every time. Against the odds for both. I it, was it was like fair, it was a fair trade. Y- you knew you had to show me the vegetables before I would say <laughs> anything. Like you were like rushing yeah, to you're like, not a rule of rules GM, you're a rule of vegetables, GM. I'm a rule of vegetables, <laughs> GM. Just for what it's worth, Elliot, I'm I'm pretty sure that is mathematically just worth. <laughs> oh yeah. So well yeah. Sure. when you asked for it, I was like, that's dumb. Yeah. yeah for yeah. sure. I thought about it after and especially listening to it back, I was like, 
There's no way that was going to do better for me. <laughs> yeah, but it's better vibe. It doesn't matter. But the, the vibe vibes, was cool. Yeah, are vibe better. Is vibe, yeah. Vibes above all else. While we're while we're kind of talking about at vibes and and spoilers, I'd love to go around the table for the players of like favorite or like most memorable moments from the season. What made them memorable for you? Whether it's for your character or for someone else. I hate to spring this on anyone. So does anyone have one they want to start with? I'll start. It's just, it was like a simple moment that didn't last too long. But I think when Eli and Ward like had a little point of contention Mm. and there was just a little strain on this friendship between these two people who are like the same, but just didn't see eye to eye. And I thought that was a really fun moment as a player. And it was kind of heartbreaking because I'm not, I feel like I'm bad at making bad things happen to characters that I love. And that's something I'm working on as a writer and a, and a GM. So that was just a really nice moment for me. I remember listening back to that and editing it really nice because like that's the first moment you kind of get the idea of like them as pseudo brothers. Mm. And then I, I think Carolyn, you you mentioned at the end of like episode three of like how the this the series is like a battle for blank soul. And that kind of like yes. comes to fruition as well as like brother against brother and then brother against other brother and bro- dead brother and yes. live brother. <laughs> a bonus moment, my favorite moment, like visually, I think is the the fight in the bathroom on the like <laughs> rest stop station and yes. just blank. Like I loved that scene. And then just at the end, like blank, just like looking around the corner <laughs> the mask is like so funny to me. I, I also love that part because uh blank's bit of being like, oh, I kind of wanted it to pop off, like being disappointed <laughs> was extremely funny. I genuinely nearly crashed my car when I was driving last <laughs> oh my night God. watching the episode. And um, when Elliot, when Ward declared the damage reduction yes! of the, uh, the, the once per arc oh. gambit, and I was like, you motherfucker, I was certain you were dead. I didn't know you had that. And I was like, yes, he's done it. Our boy, our boy Ward's lived it. I remember listening back to that and honestly, like, forgetting it because Elliot is so quiet and so... You must have had the biggest shit-eating grin on your face. I got to go find the video of it. <laughs> oh, it was sure. so big. It, well, I saw it. It was... <laughs> just uh, one thing. And then you can hear it in my voice. I, I say, yeah, but as if just like, oh, yeah, this is going to be like a rules clarification or something. And then he's like, oh, I uh, actually just fucked your shit up. <laughs> you, you didn't know, but I absolutely wrecked your shit. I was say, oh, I've listened brilliant. to that just clip like seven times. <laughs> it just it it wrecks me every time and I love it and you just have yeah it's perfect I was so fucking nervous about that moment Elliot was like let, Elliot let us all mourn for like a good like couple of seconds to be like oh no we yeah. lost we lost the ward and Elliot was like um actually it's, um, also, <laughs> it, it's not like I skimped on the description I was like oh you feel a bullet go through your heart and it's oh like, yeah I you described visceral. the jar on my heart and everything and I was like well, you know what? <laughs> Actually, <laughs> take the char back. I also love that moment because in the edit because I get to add in Behold's theme for for the regret and also play the vocals for it. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then it hits. It, it hits, hits after that moment. That it song. hits. It's it's the same way that um, Kumari's theme when you listen to it before episode yes. three sounds kind of like. It, it it feels kind of like sad almost or or something. 
And then after episode three, when Kumari goes off, it's like, oh no, this theme is different now. This hits yeah. different. It's a it's a testament to Behold's ability to capture theme and vibe and character in that the songs almost predict the characters to a level that we don't yet see as players. And that's this is if it happened once, I would say it's a fluke, but it's happened a few times now um, that that he's yeah. managed to pull that off. So absolutely shout out Behold. Yeah. It's it's kind of funny in that moment because I was um, obviously when we wrote The Troubles, it was a couple years ago now. And I realized a couple months ago that I didn't have one about anxiety, which like when you're first listening to the episode, when Chinook's playing Kamari, you just think that's his problem. Like, you know, he's not really backing himself. He's got a bit of an attitude, uh, like the lack of go getterness or whatever. That's the trouble. That's what. And I was like, oh, yeah, maybe I think I said in the many sided media discord, like, oh, I should write a trouble about having anxiety. And that was not what that character's trouble was. <laughs> <laughs> I really missed that ball completely. And that's a, you bought, I bought it hook, line, and sinker, you know, so good, good mid arc shift. Yeah. I think this season, I think more so than any other season, there were like multiple times where you upped the ante on stakes. Where, where, oh, it, like, yeah. for, for episodes one That's and two, Chinook's like, move. yeah, it, it, I think it is, but like, I think this season to double because the first two episodes, Kumari is like a fun, almost comic relief. You're like, oh, this is a person who's really insecure. And like, that's kind of funny. They brought the hand cannon, they're worried they're going to lose it. And then episode three happens and you're like, oh no, this is a whole different person. And then also the revelation that I as a GM did not know of, oh, I have a child that I lost. And then getting to bring that child back and like having all these and like running back for the child. At the Absolutely end. brutal. Every time there was a reveal for Kumari, those were the reveals that I was like, oh shit, I gotta rethink some things. <laughs> like, <laughs> Like, I, think, I think every other time I was kind of like, okay, I can roll with that punch right away. But it was like, oh, Kamari has a child now. Oh, man, the stakes got way higher. That was intense. Yeah. No, it was it was intense to play. Like, I, I like, made these choices and I was like, I'll be okay. And then I think after every session, I had to, like, I think in every talkback, I was just sitting there silent because I was like, what did I just do to myself? <laughs> like, this was horrifying to experience. Like, I don't. I don't want to be here right now. No. Um, like, I mean, fun, like so much fun to play. And also just like, I had to like give myself like the warning of like, you're not Kamari. Like, this isn't your kid. Like, <laughs> it's fine. Gotta, gotta combat the bleed. This, yeah. This was a season, yeah, where I feel like doing the talkbacks after each. It was a nice, just kind of like, uh, uh, what's the word? Transition. It was a nice mm -hmm. transition period from yeah. being like, we're all super sad and there's a lot of really intense feelings. And then doing the talk back where we kind of talked it through and then being like, okay, I feel like maybe I could go live yeah. my real life now. <laughs> therapy yeah. afterwards. Yes. Yeah. Tabletop. Also, like, what I really would we love call it? Therapy, therapy, role play. <laughs> therapy, therapy, role therapy, playing therapy, role therapy, therapy, role playing game. Therapy, role playing game, yeah. It was also fun to see the characters, like, obviously be sad because that's the game, but also like have those moments, I think in the first couple episodes of like, they're okay. Like they're a hodgepodge little group of people that are like kind of like each other. And then like going from that to like the tragedy that everyone has experienced made that tragedy hit so much harder of like, oh, we've seen like Eli and Ward kind of be friends and okay and like fun. And now they're 
upset with each other and like can't stand each other and like mm. seeing like blank be like silly and goofy and then also like oh they are fucked up fighting their best friend in a ring trying to like not die mm. and like have these real experiences was just, it made it hit so much harder yeah it, it was really nice to also have the arc that I am in no way a mastermind. This just happened to work out because you guys are very good and this game is very good. But like starting at the beginning of having everyone's kind of happy and we're only seeing like fragments of your flashbacks. Like we have that hyperspace nostalgia moment where everyone gives like a little snippet, but everyone's happy and everything's good. And like, I'm not wrecking your life. And then by the time we get to episodes five and six, I'm like, Kumari, you're reckoning with your child. Like you might die blank. You're fighting Mm. your your long lost friend who like in some sense like gave their life up for you in the ring board you're facing your father eli you are facing down your possible mother-in-law maria you're there i'm there (laughs) (laughs) i'm bearing witness to these things (laughs) but 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 seeing those like fragments of memories as they kind of became the full memories and also getting that same arc of like we're okay we're having trouble we're reckoning the, the other arc we kind of go through in what you're talking about is, like, you see in the first two episodes, like, here is a, like, found family of people that are very loving and caring for each other. And then when the things that, that when their troubles come to the surface, you get tension and uh, an almost breaking apart of the group, which is very real. Like, you know, like, when people are at their worst, like, it causes interpersonal conflict and all this. And then in the last, like, 30 minutes of the finale, there is a reminder for everyone of that, like, found family nature of this group. And even though Kumari and Blank end up leaving in the end, we all end up, like, invigorated by this memory of Kumari being like, hey, don't die on me, back in, like, a happier time where we weren't facing all of the worst parts of ourselves. So there's this, like, up, down, up of the whole season in terms of, like, our, like, loving interconnectedness. It's, it's the emotional accordion, right? Of like the things happening. And the good news is that like all of your troubles were brewing at the same time, mm-hmm. right? Which is something that when everybody's playing really well to their troubles, they're all kind of, you're all kind of gaining blues at the same rate. And then you can all kind of pop off at once in what becomes like the end of the arc. And then that's something that can then cycle again. And in the end of hypothetical season two, there's a, whole load of other exciting things that happen as your new troubles kind of brew and change and move in new directions so it's a real good tool for pacing that works really well for specifically the number of sessions that we tried to put in this campaign deliberately and when me and brian were like trying to talk out how what the season was going to be like and how long it was going to be I tried to say, like, oh, maybe we should do some less episodes to make it cheaper for my budget. And Brian was like, no, we need to do five because that's that's how long it'll take for everything to explode. Uh, and that was very wise of you. This is also another peek behind the curtain of how much I am not a mastermind. We eventually decided on four. At some point, I came back and said, we got to do five. Well, I'll take it on the chin. And then five turned into like four hour episodes that became five and six. So yeah <laughs> in no it t- take from this what you will but in no way is the gm a mastermind at, <laughs> at best i'm running along beside everybody else trying to lay the tracks in front of them i wanna i can't remember if it was our first session or a second i think it was our second where brian and i were like doing a little debrief afterwards and he was like i just don't think 
we're going to get through the things that I want to get through in four. Like, I think we got to tag on a fifth. And I, he was like listing some of the hopes for like, like we still really wanted to do a, a space battle and that didn't really get together or whatever. And he's like telling me all the things he wants to do. And I was like, yeah, there's just no world in which we can do this in four. <laughs> I don't, a uh, little peek behind our curtain. I think when I wrote the subtler system, we hadn't actually um, fully fleshed out space combat. That was like one of the later things, um, which is why there's not really much opportunity for it in that adventure. But question to you, Brian, like you're saying that squeezing everything into these sessions felt like it needed to to be bigger. Do you feel as a GM that there was anything that you would have liked to explore further in the adventure or or with the crew? Because you mentioned earlier, like spoiler warning for people listening, but this is very much a spoiler warning for the the adventure that this crew went on, and it's very much not been a spoiler for the adventure as a whole, mm. I don't think. Um, was there anything that you would have liked to have seen expanded upon further or what you would do next? There were a ton of things that I had. Because like I, th- I feel like every after every session zero, I kind of make a list of like, all right, here are all the things that kind of need to happen. Here's like what every character wants to do. Let's make sure we do all of them. And for this for this season, uh, Drac, you were absolutely the one who got short uh, short changed because the one thing I had for you was orbital racing and like hoverboard racing, and it, <laughs> I could never figure out how to get it in. And, and the other thing that we we missed out on doing was like a ship combat. And when I planned the season, my thought was like, oh, Reno Twelve will kind of be the the high noon standoff of like that's where everything is. Um, yeah. that's where all the danger is. So like, they'll go there, they'll like maybe go to the high rollers casino, the Reno snakes, uh, maybe like I, I had a thing planned that is mentioned in an episode, but never actually came to fruition that Dell was fighting, fighting out of the seven year itch, which was actually the, <laughs> the rebuilt, um, karaoke can. So like you guys would have oh. gone to see the Reno snakes and Kumari would have had this like moment of like, Oh, this is where it all went down. But and this is absolutely correct to all of you guys. I explained to you like, oh, Reno 12 is where everything dangerous is. And you guys all very reasonably said, well, let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> I felt so bad you, after you that. Also didn't, <laughs> you also didn't go to Sutler Orbital as well, right? Which That's correct. There's entire like swathes of characters that happen there. There's the whole bounty hunting thing. There's Indy Carter who just makes it out with his briefcase of money, except he doesn't. And <laughs> good old Clancy Clearwater gets to run away with that bounty. And like, there's a whole other Parazzo you didn't touch. Yep. And then Mary O'Neill's got a quest, Paz Jr.'s not in there. So like, you know, as much as the the big undercarriage bar fight was like a big focus of it, like, that's like one quest line, sort of. Yeah, yeah. Like, if it's actually written into the adventure. There's so much stuff left. Are we saying season two? Is that what I'm hearing? That's what I think is happening well, right well, now. Fair, you guys Orbital did, twos? You guys did kill I most wanted to of call the, the book that and Zach wouldn't let me. Oh no, oh no, we're bringing it up. <laughs> Sam, Zach, come on. Sam. That's genius. Sam, ditch Zach. I, I, Let's I work prefer, together. <laughs> yeah. I prefer yeah. Morbital Blues. Oh! They said to me, they said to me, they said absolutely in no case should you refer to it as Orbital 2s online because I don't want that catching on. And I was like, (laughs) 
what, what can I say? What can I do? I was I mean, like, it's, it's online it's now. Orbital 2s. It's Orbital 2s. That's what it is. And everyone, everyone who knows me personally has been like, how's Orbital 2s coming along? I'm like, Hell yeah. Just, I don't there. think I'm legally allowed to recognize that name. Uh, Zach says I can't. I think the compromise is just calling it Morbital 2s. Is what? <laughs> just lose yeah. all yeah. of the branding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. All, all the of branding yeah. is gone. All Change the word until you don't know what we're talking about. Zach's <laughs> literally two. pulling their hair out right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, Zach, unfortunately, I think the real problem is I don't like the book hasn't gone to print yet, so there's you could still change it. You can still do there it. Is, still there is a mock-up cover out there somewhere when we were doing like cover <laughs> ideas where I actually did write orbital twos on it and then sent it to to Josh and Zach. Ah. I'm trying to find it now. It does exist. <laughs> the fight in your voice as you talk about this, Sam, is so funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can see the desire in yeah. Sam's eyes. Yeah. yeah. Always, always style over substance and orbital twos is all style, baby. But we've got to save orbital twos for second edition. That's ultimately a thing. If mm. we ever do a you know a new version of the core book, mm. that's what oh, I'm. So really, I'm just I'm. You guys are thinking too short term. You're being my. Office. <laughs> oh. I am. Just put it back I'm, on us. I'm thinking five years, ten years, twenty years when there's going to be sad cowboys in the future. <laughs> I love it. Playing 3D chess. <laughs> 3D chess. And we're 3D playing chess. Checkers. That's just chess. That's just chess. That's just chess. Oh yeah, that's just regular chess. That's just regular chess. <laughs> that's yeah. I don't play chess. <laughs> Oh, um, anyway, my favorite moment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> God damn it. God damn it. Segue. You can tell you guys are podcasters, can't you? <laughs> Always <laughs> pulling, it, pulling it right back in. You, you, you know what that was? It's Elliot looked at my screen, saw me looking down at my notes, and was like, oh, yep. Brian's going to do this. I might as well do it. <laughs> yep. Brian needs to get us back on the rails. Anyway, my favorite moment was in episode three uh, when it was uh, Maria and Ward versus Kumari and Eli. I think yeah. that. That yeah. raised the stakes of the whole season and kind of changed the tone. And and uh, to reference what Zach was saying about the emotional accordion, that was like the push in of the accordion mm-hmm. um, in a real way. So I loved that moment. I loved the the darkness that you brought to Kamari Shanuk in episode three that we had to react to. I think we I think in starting the season with Kamari, I like very much made a choice of like Kamari's gonna be goofy. Like, I think everyone in character creation made, like, very serious, like, hard, sad characters. And I was like, I I wanted, I think initially in, like, in Session Zero, I was like, Kamari is, like, stoic. And, like, I described them in this way that I don't think I played them. And then in, like, getting, seeing everyone else, I was like, oh, no, Kamari is actually going to be, like, a silly, goofy captain. <laughs> but then, like, have shit that, like, they're used, like, they're using that to hide the shit that they've experienced. Um. And I think that moment of like seeing someone that they loved get hurt was like, oh, I can actually stop this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then came out in such a violent, horrific way. <laughs> Just overcorrected. But even like episode one, I think uh, when we're dealing with um, Dick Whiskey, like Kamari breaks their his nose twice. And I think Carolyn <laughs> has a very visceral like, oh, my God, like, stop <laughs> reaction of like, what the fuck are you doing? And I was like, yeah, wait, what is why is Kamari so violent? And then had to like in my head justify that right and you know i guess it's even there in episode two where like everyone else gears up with their normal weapons to go you know take on uh 
the re- the Salt Lake 47 um, fuel hub, and Kumari takes off yeah. the ship's <laughs> cannon. And, like, he just takes off the cannon. Ultimately didn't use it, but, like, grabbed the largest weapon to a point where, like, when everyone saw it, the whole bit was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> the moment of Ward and Maria versus, versus um, Eli and Kamari, I've never really run player versus player before. Or I can't think of any real... I guess it happened a little bit in Die, kind of. But um, I've never really had player versus player. Specifically, like, people fighting each other. I really liked player versus player being, like, a couple of skill checks. Mm. It it felt very cool and also not, um, not like, confrontational in the way that I always worry player versus player will be. Of, like, well, why are you killing me? We've got other people. It's like, no, this was... We're at cross-purposes... We're both trying to do our thing. Whatever, whoever wins will get to choose, but it's not necessary to like, I'm shooting Ward. It's right. I'm at odds with Ward. There's more yeah. a battle of wills than any kind of physical battle. Yeah. yeah. It was, it, you know what it kind of felt like? Um, is like the moment in a superhero movie where both people are launching like their laser beam attacks and they're meeting in the middle and you see the ball yeah. in the middle going back and forth. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of the vibe. And that ball is blank salt. It's just a stream of <laughs> that cowboy <one>. hats. Throwing them out of Frisbee. Fire cowboy hats. <laughs> cowboy hats and spurs. Um, one of my favorite, I mean, I feel like we've talked about so many of, like, there's so many moments that I absolutely loved. But one that I really, um, like, appreciated listening back was Eli in confronting Tony and Carolyn, how you played so much with the like the thing that I have been working towards and the thing that I have wanted for so long is happening and having not quite second thoughts but a like am I remembering this correctly or like am I wrong or seeing the pain in Tony and having even just it was only a couple of lines and a couple of of words or ideas exchanged but I thought it was so real and wonderful of having like the thing I've wanted forever, the revenge has arrived. And then being like, crap, the revenge is more complicated than I think I've been remembering it as. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite uh, professors told, said something, he was like a theater history professor. And he said, his name was Sid Friedman. And he said, good stories end with yes, but not in the way that you thought. And so we did get our revenge, but it was tainted or twisted or just not exactly what we expected. And I've, I didn't understand that when he first said it, but the older I get and the more I am involved in like story making, I find that to be so true. So good on you, Brian, for Mm. twisting it up. (laughs) Well, even when you, even when you finally shoot her, you say, you don't like, it's not really revenge. You just say, I'm done talking, which is such a great final line for that revenge it's like it's almost like i am done with the moral complexities of my feelings on this revenge and i'm just just shooting you yeah. in the face. i thought about it as like well this person's a gangster anyways like they've definitely they've got blood on their hands so yeah. i'll be the avenging angel for even if it's not for myself for others hey there it's elliot from the many-sided media team In addition to playing and producing here on My First Dungeon, I'm also a game designer known for such games as Something is Wrong with the Chickens, a rules-like game of chickens, eldritch horror, and revenge. 
Project Echo, a solo time travel game played in the pages of a planner, and the upcoming Rom-Com Drama Bomb, a three-player game of meet-cutes and mayhem. If you like weird and unique games and want to bring something new to your table, head to moreblueberries.shop and use code MYFIRSTDUNGEON for 20% off your order. That's M-O-R-E-B-L-U-E-B-E-R-R-I-E-S dot shop. Thanks! Greg, you got a moment? Yeah. I'll be honest, I think the whole moment with in the the, the toilet scene, we just charge in, <laughs> absolutely wreck shop. So like, we don't funny. give anyone even a remote chance to fight back. And it's we just We go so ridiculous. hard. It, it's funny because I remember setting ridiculous. that up as being like, okay, there's going to be like a real quick thing in the bathrooms of like, oh, it'll kind of be a goof. And then there's like the real fight over in the thing. And you guys... I, I think I just should remember this as a GM of like, when you give people the fun thing, they're going to take a lot of time doing the fun thing. And you guys just like <laughs> went off on these two poor people in the bathroom who were just like having a conversation. Uh, Sam, you got any moments that, that stood out to you? Mine, mine's actually been mentioned twice now, which was the, which was the toilet. Uh, <laughs> so that is, that is one that I distinctly remember writing. It's a little homage to that scene in Pulp Fiction where the, yeah. um, where the toaster pops. Oh. Um, yeah. So I, I couldn't get that to work naturally because I didn't want to force any of the player characters to go into someone's house. So I was like, Right, I'll put it in a gas station where it's being held up and one of the people holding it up have gone to the toilet. And something that Zach has had to remind me of, the strength of the subtle, especially when I've come to writing the adventure in Afterburn, is the strength of subtle system is in how I wrote situations, not stories. Yeah, mm. And that is one of my favorite scenarios to just put in there because it's incredibly gameable. Like, will you let the guy go to the toilet in peace or will you just rush him and kill him? Um, <laughs> so it's always a fun one to see how people handle that one. You have an opportunity that's presented to you of someone in a vulnerable position. Um, but there's a little more humorous than the usual Orbital Blues kind of position. <laughs> mm. uh, so, yeah, I, I've, like, I've been sat here thinking about like my favorite moments. And I was like, wow, that, that one really resonated with people. And that was, <laughs> I was putting there as a little meme. <laughs> It's very explicitly in the adventure because, like, just for the structure of the subtle system, it's like the smallest location, but is explicitly in like a sort of a very active situation where there's a bunch of stuff happening and obviously lots of other plot points linked back to it. But for a lot of, um, if you're going to run a one shot, like that bit is the bit of the subtle system that you do it in, and that is very explicitly like a sort of tutorial combat for the game where you get a surprise you probably have a numbers advantage if it's a party and you probably get surprise as well and but whenever i've done it the players because i've run this this adventure like four or five times maybe like I've, I've gone for it a lot of times and uh, it always seems to take long and the players always seem to have more fun than like the sort <laughs> of mexican standoff 812 storming that happens a bit later yep the thing that i enjoy about those two combats is that there's a real temptation in, uh, and I'm, I've started new, just talking about adventure design here. There's a real temptation to have like gunfights in uh, empty rooms that maybe have a little bit of cover, but not many verbs, things to interact with. So one of the advice you get when you're like making dungeons as a writer is like, 
have things in the environment that people can interact with. And like for a lot of science fiction concepts, that can be really difficult because you're like, I'm in a droid factory. There's hammers <laughs> everywhere and bottomless pits and like, you know, all these sci-fi gubbins. But now like a rest stop in a space station gas station is a thing full of verbs. You have no interactive. <laughs> and so is a convenience store. So there's a load of, uh, there's a lot of, I always have fun running that specific encounter. And it's good to see that you guys have had an interesting version of it here. Yeah. It's also apparently mostly full of piss, as as we found out. <laughs> yeah, it's not very clean. Yeah. Mostly, mostly just, I mean, I'm I'm so happy in the second half of the season that uh, Ward was wearing shoes off. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, and had maybe washed his suit since sliding in piss. Maybe. Mm, oh, God. Maybe. 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 I don't know if you did. <laughs> uh, uh, I think uh, Herbie came over and gave you, like, he knows what to do. Her Herbie, like, dry yeah, cleans your suit while you're yeah, still there. You Just Herbie's a got a, it wasn't your first time coming home. Steamer. Yeah. Wasn't, wasn't my first time coming first home time. covered in piss? Is that where you're going? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to say. And you took it. Okay, cool. That's cool. I'll go fuck myself. I didn't want you to, I didn't want you to let to it get it out. I didn't want you to have that power over me. <laughs> Can I ask a question? Yeah. Did you genuinely roll the 21st night of September? On that. We genuinely that. rolled the 21st. We genuinely rolled it. After, okay. after agreeing birthdays was yeah. Kamari's trouble. We clearly rolled it and we were like, oh, that's pretty good. And we were like, wait that's... a second, we're recording on the 21st night of September. And it we was, really no. stuck so, with it. So yeah. It, oh, yeah. It was wild. On, Sam, you're a genius. <laughs> it was wild on multiple levels because I, when we recorded the session zero, so... We, our first episode was going to be on the 21st night of September. We had all the birthday things. We were like, amazing. And then when I went back and edited the interview with you and, and Sam, uh, with Zach and Sam, we also referenced the 21st night of September as the ship name. And it's going to sound like we planned it. I swear to God, we <laughs> rolled it on the random roll table. Like my birthday is the 22nd. And then I think I had a birthday the week before, like a party the week before that, where I truly took the inspiration for Kumari. So it was just truly wild. Yeah, it was such a kismet uh, combination of things. Oh, I think, uh, Chinook, are you interested in sharing the story of what happened at your real birthday? Because I feel like we've teased it now uh, from the they, beginning. You or, teased or, yeah, so much yeah, I haven't yeah, said yeah. anything. I, I, have I not told you this, Jack? I don't think so. Okay, so I had a birthday party for my, uh, for my birthday. That's how that works. Um, <laughs> and I, like, the whole prompt, like, there was a couple of prompts. Like, I had it at a game, like, I rented a game uh, a game store thing and had a bunch of my friends come play board games. And like the prompt was like, dress up as like, the, the dress code was Chinook. So you had to dress up as something that inspires that. And then I asked everyone to like, bring me like a birthday card with like a genuine like memory uh, like that we share, like something that like you were happy to, like when you think of me, like that's what comes up. And I was really excited. Everyone brought cards. It was really sweet and nice. People even brought gifts, which was super nice. So like everyone would come in and there was a Jenga tower and everyone was supposed to like take off a piece of the Jenga tower, put it on top. And whoever toppled it would have to chug a Smirnoff ice. Uh, <laughs> disgusting. And, but I was like, I felt bad. Cause like, what if someone doesn't drink or like, doesn't want to, there was like a mechanic in it that like, if you didn't want to do it, you could flip a coin. And if you called it right, I would have to chug the Smirnoff ice. And people love that. So like after it toppled the first time, someone flipped the coin, I had to drink it. Everyone was like, hee hee ha ha. And my friends were like, wait, if we just rebuild it and keep knocking it over, we can like constantly make him drink Smirnoff Ices if we call it right. And so I ended up chugging like 10 Smirnoff Ices and getting incredibly drunk. 
It's so gross. To the point where I didn't, like, getting home was going to be a problem. So my friends all, like, packed my stuff for me. And somewhere along the way, I think someone threw away my birthday cards. And so I actually lost all those birthday cards with, like, those nice messages. And, like, the next day was, like, so sad. Like, called everyone, sent out, like, texts to everyone that came. um, And the birthday cards are gone. And we recorded the... Two days later or something? Yeah. yeah. It was, it was so, fresh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a no. fresh on Fresh on the, the mind. Burn down a karaoke bar. Was it really a birthday? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't. It truly wasn't. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, that board game store uh no longer exists. Uh, <laughs> there, there was an incident. Uh, they say that there was some like weird stuff at the Chinese place next door, and it, like that caught fire first, and then it went to the board game store. But there's been some conflicting reports. So I guess they found an accelerant all over the place. I don't know what that means, but it seems bad. <laughs> I genuinely got really sad there because no. I thought a board game store closed down. Oh no! <laughs> they're, they're alive and well. They're good. Okay, that's they're doing good. great. All the all the FLGs should live forever. I think we're we're kind of coming up to the to the end of this. But before I, I swing over to talk about Orb Blues Afterburn, uh, is there anything else that uh, any of the cast or anyone wants to talk about uh, about the season? I know there's there's a lot. We have just a little bit of time, but is there anything that anyone really I wants mean, to get out there? This is me i guess not calling you out brian but i want to i want to hear the answer to this question <laughs> oh um, coming in hot you, i love it yeah brian emailed all of us and said <laughs> that we should use some research to ask answer what our trouble would be next if we oh continued. i forgot to do the thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh. um teacher you asked us to do homework teacher, i teacher. did, we I did assign <laughs> homework and i asked so at, once your troubles come a brewing in this game you then will often pick a new trouble and I, I asked the cast what their character's new trouble would be since their troubles would come in brewing. And you are correct. I teased it at the top. I prompted you guys before. And now I've got to deliver <laughs> on that. Act one, act two, act three. Um, so, Drak, do you want to start us off with uh, what would Blank's next trouble be? Yeah. Um, so I thought about it pretty long and hard because I think, like, Blank is definitely happier now. But I also think just because of the nature of who they are and honestly who Dell is as well they are going to find themselves in trouble again and I think it's going to be more related like more tightly related to um, orbital racing um, so I, I would have picked too big for your boots I think mm. they become pretty oh, yeah. big in the like kind of dark alley um, illegal orbital racing scene um, and it, it comes to a, a haunt them a couple of times and get them into quite a bit of trouble so I think that's kind of a kind of realm of the trouble they'll end up getting into again. Because I kind of like made up orbital racing. I was like, this would be a cool thing. I think it'll be like a really dangerous thing. People probably like murder each other to be the best at this thing. So I think that'd be an interesting trouble to get into of like other competitors being like, I need to take blank out. Or in races being like, I'm going to target blank specifically to get them out of this race. You know, I just wish we'd gotten to it this season. <laughs> <laughs> You're good. Oh, for honestly, I, even when I picked for Orbital Twos, honestly, when, when I d- picked it, I was like, I knew for a fact, I didn't even expect to have a chance to race. Honestly, I just was like, everyone else is running. I just think it'd be cool to have a hoverboard. That's kind <laughs> of a hoverboard. That's all I really wanted. Eli, you want to tell us what your next trouble would be? Yeah, I, I think Eli, I mean... If you fall in love hard once, you're going to fall in love again. <laughs> this is for all you people going through breakups, whatever, right now. 
you're going to fall in love. Again. It's really easy to do. Trust me. Um, so I think Eli just like falls in love again, gets his heart broken. So I would take the lovesick trouble. And then mm. he's just like, loves to be sad. He's kind of a Romeo like that. Love it. Excellent. Uh, Ward, what do you think? I think I said this maybe in the talk back of episode six, and I think I still it still feels true. I think that Ward would take the bloodthirsty trouble next. I think that I think mm. that killing his dad has sort of broken something a little bit in him, and he's and he's come over to Eli's side of like violent revenge is the answer, and he and he was uh, he's sort of he's he's done with the in too deep trouble and go would go for the bloodthirsty trouble and is now back to sort of like violence first. Zach, you're giving me a look like you don't agree. <laughs> I, no, it's okay. I, I would have maybe, I'd have liked to see Papa was a Rolling Stone. Because mm. like, you've oh, kind of got the, sense. now I want to out, now I've dealt with this, and now I want to outgrow my dad and be my own man. You know, and deal mm. with that problem. So I, that was one that I thought through, but when I read through sort of the the questions and everything, it it had this sort of like notoriety to the father that you're dealing with, and like I think that Ward is at a place where he wants to never acknowledge his relation to his to his father again. Mm. For sure, it's no longer Ward Jackson; it's just Ward. It's just Ward. Uh, Kumari, if Kumari is not enjoying their life, watching their child grow up from afar. <laughs> Uh, they'd probably uh, pick Reluctant Vagabond uh, just because I think Kamari is going to genuinely miss like everyone on the ship and like will like reflect fondly on like, oh, that was a really good part of my life. And maybe this chasing after a kid that doesn't really want me in their life is silly and dumb. Oh, so sad. Damn. Like I had a family. Why did I leave them? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying it was the right move. <laughs> and great. That's uh, all the characters, all four characters in Orbital Blues. <laughs> oh, 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 I'm sorry, Maria. Maria, I didn't see you there. <laughs> also there. I feel like everyone wants Maria to take bloodthirsty or something. <laughs> or I want Maria to just be like, by the way, I'm a seasoned criminal this entire time. Honestly, I'm like the killer of worlds. <laughs> I've thought about I'm it Papa now. so much. And I feel like originally I was like, maybe it's like too big for your boots. And Maria just starts to become like a super confident captain or like things, whatever. But I think realistically and kind of ironically, I'm, I would also go with reluctant vagabond. But it's not a longing to return because she's been on this ship now for so long. The home she misses is Kumari. And that's the home she wants to return oh, to. What the hell? My heart. Oh, that hurt. <laughs> My platonic life partner. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like it's a sort of combo of, of it's not quite the lovesick, but it's it's the finding your home in another person. Yeah, mm -hmm. so I think it's reluctant yeah. vagabond as well. And then Herbie is definitely taking bloodthirsty. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I don't know if Herbie we survived. betrayed Herbie. If Herbie Herbie's survives, gone. Herbie's they're gone, coming yeah. for us. I was going to say, I think yeah. Herbie's the villain. I don't Herbie's think... the villain of season two. Yeah. Herbie, Herbie never yeah. dies because he's a balloon. He just kind of like slowly reconstitutes. Like someone will find him, they'll blow him back up, and then he's good to go. Yeah, they're going to give him one too many cranks, and boy, oh boy, you better watch out. You're going to watch out. There's honestly so much more I want to talk about about the season. There's so many more like little peeks behind the scenes of, of stuff. 
but we're, we're running out of time. And I do want to talk about Orbital Blues Afterburn, which at time of recording has about 10 hours left on its Kickstarter and has blown through just about all of its stretch goals. Um, so Zach, so close to 100k, so close to 100k, 100k pounds, not not these 100k stupid, pounds. Stupid We're well American over 100k dollars. dollars. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Zach and Sam, you want to give us a quick talk about how the campaign went, what all these stretch goals are, and what you're excited about for the next chapter of uh, Orbital Blues? Yeah. So the project's gone so well. We've passed through like six stretch goals, petty rises bumper stickers spaceship generators additional adventures two additional adventures two more cassettes one of which has the music from this season on it so if you want to see the uh the themes for each one of these characters plus somewhere between two and six other songs depending on how busy uh colin is between now and when we want to go live Also, uh, Elliot. Elliot's a stretch goal yeah. uh, that we should have talked about. Uh, there's going to be some solo rules for Orbital Blues, The Wanderer, uh, which is really exciting. It's something I felt like we should have for a long time, but just like solo journaling games are like not my speed personally. I like talking to people too much to uh, <laughs> solo journal. Uh, and also my ADHD just means my attention span's too short. Uh, but I'm happy that all stuff now exists. Uh, we've been just like, genuinely overwhelmed by the support that the um the backers and the fans of the game both new and old have been able to express uh and the fact it's like been able to push us to this degree like for what it's worth from a personal level uh, i went full-time on soul muppet last week hey Yay! You know, that's only possible because of, you know, the success of this and other crowdfunding projects. And, you know, thank you. Thanks to the fans. (laughs) You know, it's such a lame thing to say, but I can mean it here. And it's been a super enormously successful project. And, like, we've had a really hard time thinking of stretch goals, Sam, because, like, there's so many things we want to do. And I want a bomber jacket. I want challenge. a bomber jacket. I wanted a I wanted a cassette player. You wouldn't let me do that. I wanted you know, a cassette player. Stuff. <laughs> I I've I've got one lying around. I'll, Behind I'll, the scenes can, is a there, war there'll zone. Be, there'll be more. <laughs> Behind the scenes is a war zone. Uh, but it's it's exciting and like getting to do all this stuff is fantastic. And um but the main concern for us obviously is like it's it's like quite easy to make money on a Kickstarter, but it's also really easy to lose money if you then like agree to do loads of crazy, stupid shit and then actually spend all your time doing that instead of making the game. Uh, so I'm kind of happy with what we managed to get out of it. And uh, it's been good to make sure that we can, you know, deliver everything and get people the books that they're after as soon as we can. Uh, so, yeah, so... V- v- enormously overwhelmed by the support of the fans i echo that that statement that they said for me like orbital blues was something that we we made in lockdown i i wrote the first manuscript uh, in lockdown pitched it to zach just before lockdown not knowing what would happen um and so it very much came to be in a bubble so talking to people and seeing the response and the reaction that people have had to it and how much you guys have loved it 
it's very much brought it home to me um, how much of a thing this is and why I said at the start about what what is an ideal orbital blues game and for me as long as you feel something from it it was inspired by like my struggles with uh, dysphoria in the gig uh, gig economy and being self-employed and feeling quite isolated and zach coalesced that into the mechanics with troubles and finding strength and going forward by making amends and making peace with the things that trouble you um so to see people resonate with that um and appreciate what the game's doing it really means a lot as for what's next the reaction to it is a double-edged sword in that i've definitely had anxieties of can we live up to this again can we do something that is as well received as the first time round? i'm really like trying to match if not top the subtler system as a sandbox of play because i i love play sets as an idea and I want to give people tools to tell so many different stories that they don't even get to experience all of the stories in one go. And that people listening to this today can go and play the subtler system and not run into the same things that you guys did or run into them, but do them a completely different way. So that to me is is like, it's really nice to hear. And I'm excited for the future of Orbital Blues and what more people have to say and do with the game. And also, hashtag Orbital Twos. We get a lot of questions when talking about the game and its tone. It's like, is this game just sad? Does this just suck? Are you going to like only get experience points and level up by being sad and never make any money because the rules explicitly mean that you can never actually save any money in a meaningful way? <laughs> uh, and the answer is like, yeah, maybe. But also like, this game is about fucking redemption, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And getting to the end of it. And like, you absolutely can spend your troubles brewing and being sad and have an argument about someone and sulk on a spaceship, right? That is an extremely meaningful way to do it. Pulling an Eli, going to your favorite airlock and looking out of it into the milky void while sad music plays is absolutely a way that you can level up with this game. Or you can stick it to the fucking man and go out in a blaze of glory and, you know, do all the things that you guys were able to do in this campaign and reach like emotional resolution and find new things Mm -hmm. and like it's a game about the world right that we actually live in yeah and the fact that you can do all that stuff through a role-playing game we joke about therapy therapy role-playing game but like if you're struck with the blues right now sitting at home find out what your trouble is get that thing a brewing and find some redemption yeah space isn't different it's just bigger I'm going to do a quick outro. Any last minute things anyone wants to uh, toss in? I'm not sad anymore. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Oh, wait. Um, I didn't ever got to reveal this because I remember everyone was like, what is it? Um, Blank's real name. So I did oh. send Brian oh. Blank's real name. Cut the stream. In Cut case. the stream. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, sure I think we should actually do that, Brian. <laughs> yes. Okay, cool. But everyone else here, sorry, you don't get to hear it, but Blank's real name is Azuka Delgado. Um, Dad calls him Azu for short. Very cool. Of course it's a cool fucking name, Drake. Get out of here. (laughs) Get out of here with your cool fucking names. Yeah, yeah, if, that, if, you know yeah. what it is? If you subscribe to the Patreon, you can get the unbleeped episode. It's the exact <laughs> same episode. Yeah, 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 I love that. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. We're not, we're not that cruel. 
Um, that's the next stretch goal. <laughs> exactly. That's the next stretch. If we get to 100,000, we'll get the blank name cut. <laughs> we hit 100K. The secret stretch goal is that I will tweet Drax. <laughs> I love it. And that is all for this episode and indeed this season of My First Dungeon. If you like this show, please let us know by rating and reviewing the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, or by joining our Patreon, where you can unlock all the talkbacks for each episode of this season, as well as monthly bonus actual plays from the Many Sided Media crew. Thank you so much to all the players. Thank you so much to Zach and Sam for joining us and for making this great game. And thank you to all the Kickstarter backers who have supported Orbital Blues Afterburn and helped Behold make a cassette help uh, Elliot make a, a solo game to add on to this this wonderful game and thank you to everyone who plays Orbital Blues and as always remember if you're having fun you're already doing it right bye bye everybody bye bang 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 if you're hearing this that means you listen to every last second of this episode if you're not caught up yet, that's great because then there's plenty more to listen to. But if you are caught up and you simply can't wait for the next episode, then you should head on over to patreon.com slash myfirstdungeonpod and become a member of the Dice Pool. For just a few bucks a month, you'll get cast talkbacks, original games, and a full-length bonus actual play each and every month. As of the end of 2023, there is already over 20 hours of bonus audio, plus a whole bunch of other goodies to enjoy. So head on over to patreon.com slash myfirstdungeonpod and jump into the dice pool. We'll see you there.